This is Radio Influence. This is the place that the UFC and Bellator come to for the inside scoop of what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. The doors of the gym are opened up just for you. We are the MMA Insiders on Radio Influence. Coming up on this week's edition of the MMA Insiders Podcast, I'm going to introduce you to someone who has been on the MMA Report Podcast and also is joining the Radio Influence family. That is Valor Fight's president and matchmaker, Tim Loy. We'll tell you about the Valor Hour Podcast that is coming to RadioInfluence.com. Also, we're going to talk about Valor Fights. They've got a, a show coming up here March 18th, of course, on FlowCombat.com. So we'll talk to Tim about that fight card. Also, talk about a lot of other things. Got to talk to him about Kid Cash, a former pro wrestler that was on his fight card recently and up losing to Lindsey Jones. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk about a lot of things about regional MMA. But, of course, we are brought to you by Fight TV. Fight is a go-to app for MMA fans and practitioners, live pay-per-views. TV tapings, full-length matches, interviews, movies, and documentaries. Fight is your number one source for MMA boxing and pro wrestling video. Watch MMA wrestling and boxing live on the screen of your choice, phone, tablet, or TV using just the Fight app. Download Fight free today by going to fight, fite.tv forward slash radio influence forward slash. Once again, that is fight, fite.tv forward slash radio influence forward slash. Tim, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, I appreciate you coming on. Of course, uh, I, I think my the first time I kind of became aware of you was you were actually helping out the XFC when they were doing some shows up there in Tennessee. And then, of course, you ultimately ended up starting Valor Fights, which uh, is kind of a it's funny about you working with the XFC because I've heard John Prisco's getting back into the MMA game. Yeah, yeah, I saw something about that as well. And, uh, you know, when John, uh, you know, when he decides to do something, he jumps in uh, with both feet. So uh, I'm excited to see what he what he cooks up down there. I'm sure it'll be good. <laughs> and not afraid to speak his mind. No, no, he's he's uh, he's very open about, uh, you know, how he feels. If, if, if he'll, he'll definitely shoot straight with you. Yeah, he you know he had done some stuff with the World Series of Fighting when they when they held a show here in Tampa where basically he was a guy you know locally that put together the undercard which is a fairly common practice in, in MMA it happens all sure. over across the place I'm sure that if uh, if you haven't done I'm sure at some point you've probably been approached about putting together you know preliminary card of uh, and and basically the way I would call it Tim and I, I I'll, I'll get your opinion on this is basically is hey go find us the right ticket sellers. Oh yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I tell people all the time it's uh really until you get to the uh to the UFC really. Uh all the other promotions are essentially uh structured the same. You know, we all have to we all have to sell tickets and we all have to, you know, put asses in seats at the end of the day. And, um, you know, when you get when you get a Bellator or a World Series of Fighting or, you know, a legacy or what have you and they go into these towns, <clears throat> you know, at the top of the card, they've got you know, world world class guys that that cost a lot of money, but don't necessarily put a lot of asses in seats. Uh, you know, locally, and so you know the undercard is is generally going to be guys that are that are local that can that can move tickets and and are excited to be able to attach. Uh, you know that they are you know, insert your uh, you know promotions name here vet. You know, so it's uh, 
you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you'll end up seeing guys that are debuts or upside down. You know, I've seen O and two guys on Bellator undercards, you know, but I guess they can sell tickets or they're fighting a guy that can sell tickets. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's kind of how everyone has to run until you get to the to the UFC's level where, you know, their name, their name alone, you know, will pack it out. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people will say, oh, this guy's a Bellator vet. And I'm like, you know, I look at that and say, I go, there's two different versions of Bellator. There is the Bellator you see on Spike TV, and then there's the Bellator on Bellator.com and and post limbs where it's not even streamed. Where, I mean, at the end of the day, those guys are are on that fight card. I remember uh, being at a Bellator card in New Mexico, and there was, you know, I got there, and, and it was probably about two hours before the event even started. And, you know, there was a group of fans that were already waiting there to get in the doors. And I remember I get, you know, one of the Bellator PR people lets me in. And I end up going, I go, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's uh, Steve Garcia fans. By the way, he was the first fight of the night. He's no longer the first fight of the night. He's now the last fight of the night on the, you know, the undercard that's not even being streamed, which at the end of the day, it's a smart move by promoters. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been at a local show and I sit there and I, I remember I was at a show at the end of last year. And there was a, by the time the main event got there, three quarters of the place wasn't even there. And I was like, man, that that's, that's bad promoter one oh one of not knowing who your ticket sellers are. Cause you, you, I mean, and especially if you're getting any cut of the, you know, the concession stands, you want to keep those fans around. Oh, absolutely, man. And I've had that happen to me as well. You know, so I get the, uh, I get the premise and I get the, uh, you know, why they would do that because, you know, they want to have a, they want to have a good house still for when their main events going, it looks a lot better on television than having an empty, an empty place during your, during your TV main event. If you've got uh, a couple of fights left to go after the main event where they've sold a lot of tickets and they've, they've got to stick around for them. Uh, otherwise you would have a lot of, of empty houses, especially on these, these cards where it's, you know, a European guy versus you know, an out of towner. And the crowd just doesn't have a lot of the local crowd doesn't have as much interest in that as the, you know, national television crowd does. So yeah, it makes sense. And it's happened to me, you know, a couple of times it's happened to me where we've had a, a change in the main event at the last minute. We had to salvage it. We still put on a quality fight, a good main event, but neither guy were, were big draws and we were left with, you know, not a great crowd there at, at the end. Yeah, I mean, and I think every promoter can kind of, you know, echo what you said there. But, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here on this week's Insiders podcast is the fact of you yourself and your color analyst, Casey Oxendine, have joined Radio Influence for the Valor Hour, which is going to give an inside look into Valor fights. And I think that, you know, over the, I mean, would you say the last year, I kind of feel like there's been a lot more publicity around your promotion. And I think, I mean, do you credit that just, how much do you credit that just simply for your relationship with Flow Combat? You know, I think uh, I think the relationship with Flow has certainly helped. You know, they they're they're trying to do you know bigger, better things as 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 we go, and I think that uh, you know they have a lot of contacts throughout the MMA world that you know in social media and stuff that that helps start getting our you know retweeting and stuff like that 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 helps getting uh, our brand out there as well to uh, areas that are not just in our surrounding states. So I think that's, uh, you know, I think it definitely helps. And, and, and talk to my listeners about the Val Hour. What can, what can they expect from this podcast? 
Man, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, we're excited to do it. Casey and I, are, we're good friends. and We talk, you know, daily about this stuff already. So we were just like, you know, we, we spend enough time on Facebook Messenger just going back and forth. We may as well, uh, you know, just kind of hash this out uh, in a public forum. It'd be a good way to kind of, you know, just engage engage our fans and, um, you know, introduce them to, to some of the guys that we have coming up that they may not be familiar with. And also, uh, you know, we don't want it to be vanilla. We're going to, you know, we're going to definitely be uh, we're going to put our opinions out there, you know. So I think uh, it'll definitely be interesting uh, to see, you know, where we go with it. I, I'm excited for it. I think, uh, you know, I didn't have enough things on my plate, so I just wanted to <laughs> add a little bit more to it. So you, we're kind of like that. We, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy I, I've got my hands in everything. I'm a busy man. But I would say I'm a, I'm a guy. I love to stick to a routine, though. I'm, I'm very much a routine guy. I, I get up. I, I do a certain thing. Go to the gym. Come back. I mean, that, that's just the way I am. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm very very much the same. I, I'm I'm very much a creature of habit, and sometimes that's not a, uh, sometimes it's not the best routine or the or the best habits. But uh, you know, I'm I'm a, I am the, very much the same way. I yeah, I don't like when I'm just kind of uh, shooting from the hip and don't really have a game plan for my day. You know, I'm I, I make lists and you know check things off of them. Oh, I'm the sticky note guy. Like I, I get here in my office, I, I've got, you know, three screens and like one of the screens, it's literally sticky notes all around the screen of things I want to accomplish in a day. You know, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, just I like have, you start adding my, to it, you know, I, I have I have my wife help me and we'll we'll sit down and uh, especially like the worst is like the after a show, because I mean, it used to be I could recover from an event after like one day and I'll be ready to rock again, you know, after one day. But now it takes me like I don't I guess I'm getting old, but it takes me, man, it, it really takes me three, four, maybe five days <laughs> to really recover from an event. <laughs> and so the amount of correspondence that that. I get on a daily basis is absurd. And, uh, you know, it'll take me a day to two days when I come back essentially just to, to correspond with everyone again, I have to go through all my texts, all, all my emails, all my Facebook messengers and, you know, kind of sort through it all and make sense of it all. And, and, uh, you know, there's some guys that are wanting to fight. There's some guys pulling out of a fight. There's, uh, you know, sponsors and they're just all manners of things. And, uh, and I, it, it kind of gets overwhelming when you're like, Oh man, I've missed all this shit. And now I've got to get, caught up here and so you know my wife and i will 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 sit down and uh she'll just list all everything that i've missed all my correspondence out she'll list all that stuff out (laughs) and then we'll sort it through like three to four the next three to four days and just kind of split it up on you know what the things i need to tend to and and then i'll kind of be back and rolling but otherwise i'm i'm you know i'm spinning everywhere and we should note about the Valor Hour. It's not just about Valor fights. You guys are going to talk about what's going on in, in all the promotions uh, across uh, the world here in MMA. I know uh, by the time this, this podcast is out, your your debut podcast is going to be coming out. You're going to be talking about, uh, along with you know, talking about you know, having some guys that are a part of your promotion, also talking about UFC 209, which um, there's not a lot of cards, Tim, I get excited for. I mean, like where I'm like, oh man, I can't wait uh, to watch these fight cards. But 209 is one of these fight cards. Um, I, I can't wait to wait to see uh, Khabib Tony is a fight that I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing. Um, I, I was I'm, I'm a little I was looking at the betting odds on that one. I'm a little surprised about uh, Khabib being a two to one favorite. I, I think he should be the favorite. I'm surprised he was a two to one favorite. He may be he may be heavier than that now, or maybe he came out heavier than that. I want to say when I when the odds opened, he was he's like minus three fifty maybe. So there may have been action coming in on Tony that's that has uh, 
that yeah, has made I'm, it even closer than it was. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Um, it's at minus one seventy five. It got most uh, minus two twenty. Um, this, oh, okay. those are, and this is according to uh, bestfightodds.com, which I think yeah, is a that's place. It. I, I, I go to MMA Odds Breaker, and they, that's the same stuff they get. I probably just don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I mean, you can go different <laughs> books, and you know, the, the line can be different. But uh, I'm, I'm real, I'm really jacked up for this fight card. I think it's it's really an exciting fight card. I there is a part of me that would love to be a fly on the wall when Mark Hunt walks into the UFC offices to check in this week. Just to see how that uh, interaction is going to be with his legal action towards the UFC at this point, um, you know, I, I just, you know, to me, I, I watch it with two of my buddies, and and we just sit there and we just have a good old time, and and we have been literally talking about this fight car for like two months. Yeah, this is a really fun one. I'm, I'm excited for it too, and I'm actually not probably not going to get to watch it live. I'm going to have my wife uh, DVR it, but Casey and I are doing uh, commentary uh, the same night for for Warrior in Kentucky, and so we'll be on the road back. But uh, I, I'll have to stay off Facebook unless I want to get spoiled, uh, you know. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it, it is a fun card, you know. Pretty much every fight on the main card is uh, is interesting, you know. Uh, even even you know getting to see Rashad fights always cool, and that that uh, Venata guy is very exciting to watch and, and tamers the striker too and then the big heavyweights and then of course on the on the prelim uh side luke sanders who's from uh nashville and tennessee here we're, we're excited to see him fight as well uh but mere side back to kendarian elkins is a prelim fight that that has me interested the most yeah and that's i'm looking at it now and that's where i saw that 350 yeah i mean that that's that's a fight that that has me interested in you, you got to also the ufc debut of andre sukenthal which is it's kind of interesting that Brian Kelher did not get that opportunity. He holds a win over uh, Andre. He's not, uh, you know, he's got a longer win streak than Andre. But Andre's been on Access TV. He's had some, high, he had, you know, the highlight reel uh, flying knee knockout, and so kind of a little bit interesting there. But uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, UFC 209 uh, coming up on Saturday. And and I always tell my listeners, I think I'm probably one of the most brutally honest podcast hosts there is out there. If I tell you I don't like a card, I'll tell you I don't like sure. a card. You know, because I I think as podcast hosts, that's you have to you just have to be honest with your with your pe- the person that's taking time out to to sit there and listen to what you have to say about this great sport. No, I agree. I'm I'm the same way. You know, I'll I'll call a turd a turd if, if there is one, but this this certainly isn't one. This is this should be a, a real good one. And of course, you got Bellator also has a car on Friday night from uh, Thackerville, Oklahoma. Have you ever been to Thackerville? No, man, I've never been in Oklahoma. Period. I uh, I remember when uh, I traveled out to, to cover a Bellator event there. I remember Bjorn Rebney, who who ran Bellator at that time. He's like, yeah, man, it's a 30-minute drive from Dallas. I'm like, all right, okay. Because you know, basically, you have to fly in Oklahoma City or Dallas. So I, I fly into Dallas, and I'm driving, and I'm like, this is no 30-minute drive. I mean, it's a good hour from Dallas. Um, but a huge casino, I mean, absolutely a, a huge casino there. And, and basically I, you know, it's a, you know, a, a nice little room that they do those fights in, but they've got, uh, you know, Marlos Kuna and Julia Budd fighting for the inaugural featherweight title there, uh, which is a fight they, they've tried to put together for some time now. And, uh, Chris Honeycutt, you know, guy that they're definitely trying to groom there fighting Kendall Grove there at middleweight. So, uh, you know, I'll be watching those fights. I, uh, I'll be sitting on Friday night and watching those fights. Yeah, yeah, I will just because I'm pretty much a degenerate gambler. And if there's any sort of, uh, 
action on that I can bet on. I'm going to watch it. But honestly, I'm not like that stoked about it. You know, I, I, I will watch it, but I don't, I'm not like anticipating it, it, if you will. Yeah. It's not that Bellator car that you're like, Oh God, I can't wait to see. But you know, it's interesting (laughs) you brought up, you know, the fact that you're, you're doing color commentary, uh, you know, calling fights uh, on Saturday night. And, you know, in the the world that we live in and, you know, we all all live by our phone and the notifications you get and people are setting up. Can we really avoid spoilers at this point? It's really hard. I mean, because I and again, back to me being a creature of habit, not always the best ones. You know, uh, I I don't see how I'm going to make it through the evening without scrolling Facebook and seeing what's happened. You know, so uh, it's it's really hard for me to, to avoid spoilers. You know, I, I try, but it's, it's, it's really tough. And, or, you know, especially in it, us just being in this business, someone texts you, Oh man, did you see such and such, such and such <laughs> knockout? And it's like, ah, man, I was trying to, you know, see it and actually experience it, but I, cool. <laughs> I remember back when John Jones won the UFC light heavyweight tile, which man makes, makes me feel old how long ago that was. Um, at that time I was, I was working in terrestrial radio and part of my gig in terrestrial radio was I did, um, nightclub promotions for our top 40 station. And I was like, oh man, I, I'm, I'm not going to be paying attention on, on, you know, social media or anything like that. So I'm going to DVR the fights. I'm going to get home. I'm going to watch it after I get home from the club at three o'clock in the morning. And, and then I'm just sitting there and then it's like one o'clock and I get a notification from ESPN, John Jones, now the youngest UFC champion. I was like, well, I guess I don't need to watch that anymore. <laughs> you know, but it, it's, <laughs> it's so tough to avoid sports, but you know, it's interesting you, you talk about, and, and I had this, uh, this past Friday night, I, I was at a local show and, and part of the reason I was at that local show was announcing the fact that I've been, been named the play by play announcer for a, a show that's going to be throughout Florida. And, you know, and it's going to be on the same day of a, a Bellator event, which is actually going to be up at Mohegan. And, you know, I had, I had someone say, you know, he goes, why do promotion, you know, regional promotions put fight cards on the same day as a UFC or Bellator? And, and I think there's a difference whether you go up against UFC or Bellator. Um, but for you as a promoter, you know, and I know you're, you're, you can be limited with dates and, you know, what the commission says you can do on, you know, is a venue available? I mean, how much do you look into, Hey, does the UFC have a show that night? You know, man, honestly, I don't at all. And, uh, sometimes I'll end up like figuring it out down the road and be like, Oh shit, what did we do? But uh, like, there's so, it's so it's so many moving parts as far as booking dates and in and, and venue availability and particular fighter availability that you need in a certain region, you know, and not to mention, you know, it's about impossible to avoid, uh, to avoid, uh, the UFC on any regular basis. I mean, they run so often Bellator isn't a threat at all. And in that regard they're I, I don't feel like they move the needle and they're normally on a Friday, but, uh, the UFC, you know, they do so many events. It's, it's inevitable when, I mean, we do, 12 plus events ourselves. And so it's, it's inevitable not to be on top of them, uh, eventually now. And there's been times where we've played it to our advantage. We've got an early start time, got an after party that was going to show the, uh, the UFC pay-per-view and, uh, and used it to, uh, you know, to kind of build what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of Bellator, the only time you would try to avoid them would be like, you know, if it's one of their huge events, like, you know, 
Fedor or uh, you know, Tito, Shell, you know, one of those guys that you know is like going to bring two million plus viewers where people may decide to sit at home and, and watch those fights. But I, I think the other thing that I, you know, and and you, obviously you're you're a part of uh, internet stream, and, and I'm sure you have to deal with this is that thought process of is someone going to sit at home and watch an internet stream as opposed to come out to the venue. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Uh, that used to that used to be a concern of mine, where I was where I was like, oh man, you know, if they can sit at home and watch it for you know fifteen bucks, then they may not come out and watch it live. But uh, anymore, I feel like you know our live events are are definitely just it's a scene, it's a it's a social scene too, and people come out and they you know mingle, and it's just uh, it's a lot cooler to be there live. I think most people would agree, and uh, you know. It, it, in order to grow, you know, you've got to put it out there. You've got to you've got to be broadcasting. You've got to, uh, you know, put your product out there for people to see. So it's just kind of one of those, uh, you know, uh, give and take kind of things. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the guys that I always watch the fights with, uh, I took him to the local show that I was at. And we've gone to UFC events together. But usually, uh, you know, we, we sit up in the club level because, you know, when you go to UFC event, I always say the floor is like the worst seat in the house. It's just because, you know, the way the cage sits, you know, I always say like the perfect seat to me is about somewhere in the in the in the lower bowl, about halfway up. That's usually about the place to see. But we always go in the club level. That's just that's just my 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 personal taste. But we were actually, uh, you know, sitting basically, you know, on the on the floor, you know, by the uh, the cage of this regional show. A buddy asked me, goes, man, we got to come more of these regional shows. And it's just people get hooked. But and like where I live here in Tampa, Tampa is very much of a want to be seen type crowd you know there's like in tampa right now tampa bay lightning it's a place that people go that they want to be seen and, and usually as much as people are going there to watch the game a lot of people are going there it's a social event and you people and people want to get you know want to be there and have a good time and uh you know i always say this you know Fans need to support these regional shows because this is real. I mean, this is how the the these guys are working their way up, and you know, it, it's always sad to me when I hear regional promoters are going away. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think it's hard to to sometimes convey that to uh, to 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 fans that don't necessarily have just um, someone that they get behind naturally like a friend or a family member is sometimes it's hard to convey that but but you're right i mean it, it is it is imperative to the to the growth of the sport because you know we're, we want to uh to make new stars and there's nothing more uh honestly there's nothing like i guess more uh enthralling or just uh engaging than than seeing someone that you that you saw come up as an amateur and like actually go through the beginning stages of their career you know, here locally to see them get, to, you know, all the way to the UFC. I mean, I get more into watching, uh, you know, a, a guy like Scott Holtzman fight mm-hmm. than about anyone, really. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm up and pacing the room and, and I really, you know, more than I get, you know, live at my own fights, uh, you know, just because we really want to see him do so well. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring up Scott Holtzman because I, I think one of the things that I've really noticed with the UFC you're starting to see where they're putting more local type fighters who are already on their roster 
on you know events where they know they're going to be able to push tickets, and Scott's going to be on, on the Nashville card coming up April. Also, uh, Owen St. Prue is on that card. Uh, you've seen the UFC. They've brought in Des Green for UFC 210. He is he went to the University of Buffalo. That event's in Buffalo, so he's a natural. I mean, you, you're starting to see the UFC. I mean, this is something that every promoter has done. You have a you know someone who's local. You want to bring them in to to kind of help push tickets. But it is interesting to kind of see that that the UFC has done that as well and i remember scott uh i got a chance to know him when he was you know fighting in tennessee and also you know he'd done some shows uh you know in in the xfc and now obviously uh you know he's in he's in the ufc Uh, you know in terms of that nashville card i mean do people think you're Ticketmaster? and they're like hey man just tim give me some tickets you know, I've I've got to hustle a little bit to get my own tickets, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's not just a it's not just a cut and dry thing for me to get tickets, but you know, uh, yeah, you're, it, yes, it, that does happen. It happens. It's been happening a lot already, and we're not even near there yet. You know, so I'm sure I'll, I'll continue to field those requests that I really can't help with. <laughs> it's great for uh, me as just a, a reporter and a pod MMA podcast host. I like I couldn't tell you fights that are pretty much happening three weeks from now i, I basically oh, live week to week oh yeah man that's that's me for sure like i'll hear about a big fight coming up and like see you know little bits about it but i won't it won't like register in my mind when it is until the week of the fight and then i'll be like all right well we got this week okay oh cool you know that's that's this week nice well, well the other problem is i don't want to like be like especially you know you're always trying to you know I, I find myself trying to get more of my buddies become mma fans so you're always like oh man this fight's coming up and then and i'm like i'm always scared to kind of mention a fight because then like what happens if the fight falls through yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. I I don't really uh you know, I we I'm <laughs> I talk so much MMA with people just all the time that uh you know, anything beyond like what we're doing personally, it's hard for me to keep up with it, man. Really. It it really is. I I can't uh you know, I can't tell you what the next UFC event is uh, at, at all. You know, but as we're talking, we're another 3 weeks from your your next event. Uh what's what's the next 3 weeks like for you? Well, this is when we really start kind of, you know, kicking it into gear. This I was a little lazy this last week, uh, but 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 this is when we start. The, uh, essentially, um, you know, this week will be <clears throat> kind of locking down some some last minute things like our weigh in place, after party stuff, uh, the hotel, uh, just those type things. Next week will be what well, is my hell week, as long, along with everyone. The, you know, they call the fighters hell week as well. But uh, for me, it's my hell week because generally when we have uh, drops, when we have guys pull it's going to generally be the week before the show they feel like they're giving you advance notice by doing that and then the uh the other thing is licensing with the state all has to be done by the end of next week uh they'll lock the card on us a week out so i'll have to really start getting on guys to get medicals in and and applications and whatnot uh while most likely fielding uh guys that are pulling out and looking for replacements uh, and then it'll be fight week. And, uh, uh you know, honestly, it, it is stressful to have to get all the guys licensed in advance like that. They just started doing that this year here. But it does make my fight week a little bit easier because at that point, you know, who's in, who's out. And there's really nothing you can do about it. You can't change. You can't make any changes on fight week uh, with pros. Uh, you can still scramble around for some amateurs. But uh, fight week becomes a little bit uh, less stressful now. And we just focus on that last hard push of just getting getting the word out to as many, uh, many people as we can. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the, the Tennessee State Athletic Commission, everything that's going on there. And you're one of the few shows that's still running in Tennessee. 
So what what is the MMA climate like in Tennessee right now? Man, it is uh, cloudy. I guess <laughs> it's it's really just a it's just a strange spot we're in right now. Uh, Commissioner Jeff Mullen was who we had, and and he stepped down at the end of last year, and they never really replaced him. There is not like a ahead of the board right now there are board members and they meet every three months and very little happens it, it appears and there's really no um real head of it they're just kind of doing it by committee but all the people on the committee are none of them are really mma people they're they're licensing and regulatory people that that are over like i don't think i'm i'm off when i say they're over at least 12 other boards you know like your cosmetology your real estate your plumbing your electricians just all these other boards so to them we're just another license another application fee to collect and it's uh there it makes it tough because they the you know the the standards that they've got in place right now where you know everything has to be in uh you know a week before and things like that they're just very cut and dry it's just very black and white to them it's either in it's not there's no leeway uh you know whereas when we had commissioner mullen he he is an mma guy he's a martial arts guy he kind of understands you know just the nature of this business you know because they'll be like why have why did you wait? Why did they wait to the last minute to do this? And I was like, that's just the nature of this. You know, these guys are training They're, uh, you know, they're getting hit in training and, and can potentially face injury. Their opponent can potentially face injury. And, you know, a lot of the times they don't want to spend the money on the licensing and the blood until the last minute in case they get hurt or their opponent gets hurt and their, their fights off. And now they're, you know, two to $300 into it. Are they regulating pro wrestling now? No, no, they they probably should, and they could probably make more money and have more revenue, but they do not. Yeah, because I remember I, I remember talking to him. Maybe it was it might have been Holtzman that we were talking about it, and he kind of said he goes, "Man, they should regulate pro wrestling like some." I mean, I, I believe Mississippi does. Um, Kentucky does. Yeah, it's just basically it, it's more way to bring tax revenue in. Sure. Yeah, that's that's just easy, easy, easy money, really. You know, I mean, WWE comes uh, and they're packing it and they come fairly regularly. They'll come through Knoxville at least once a year. Nashville probably twice. Memphis probably twice. And, you know, the the commission gets a four percent cut of the gate. And I mean, that that really is makes a huge difference versus having one UFC come every other year and then me running monthly and then there may be another four or five shows throughout the year with smaller promotions that's it's not a whole lot of activity was it was it not at one point that people were wondering if the tennessee athletic commission was just going to go away oh yeah yeah it was year before last they it was it was um that was the whole issue. Uh, they were over budget and uh, they thought that by c- cutting Commissioner Mullen's salary that they could that they could run in the black. And I believe they are now. It's just uh, it's just a, they're kind of understaffed and just I'm not exactly sure, uh, you know, what the direction is moving forward. But I know that we got like a two year um, extension, essentially, on the commission. And now we've only got one year left on that. And I'm not exactly sure what happens when that extension's up. That's got to be concerning for you as a promoter, though. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We're just all kind of floating around in this weird sea of uncertainty. I mean, do you do you see yourself? I mean, all your shows are in the state of Tennessee, but I know you, you have a, a lot of fires who come over from Georgia. I mean, do, do you see yourself going outside of Tennessee at some point? Oh, yeah. We'll be outside Tennessee this year. Uh, I think, you know, I'm doing a co-promotion with Warrior um, in Kentucky in May, and uh, we're looking into Georgia some as well. And uh, you know, I will be outside of Tennessee by the end of 2017. Co-promoting event. Uh, how difficult can that be? Um, you know, um, 
Jimbo and I get along real well, and uh, you know he he's very uh, you know open to we're both very open to suggestions and just kind of talking it through. We'll see. This will be the first time I think that I've I've ever just like straight co-promoted an event with another promoter. Uh, I've co-promoted events with the venues, but not with uh, with not with another promoter. So yeah, we'll see. Check back with me after May (laughs) sixth. Now, uh, you know, it was last year that uh, you ended up getting a video to go a little viral, and that was uh, for Sweet Tea Lindsey Jones as he took on uh, Kid Cash, the the pro wrestler. Um, and we have seen pro wrestlers make that transition. I mean, most notably Brock Lesnar and what he was able to do. And, and who knows what Brock would have been if, if he didn't, you know, have his medical issues that he had. But you brought in Kid Cash. So what, what was that, you know, thought process like for you as a promoter to bring in a pro wrestler? You know, actually, you know, he reached out to me and and told me that he had some interest in doing it. And, you know, I thought it was cool for sure because, you know, I was a pro wrestling fan and watched Kid Cash and that I thought that, that was really cool. Uh, and he actually had some MMA experience several, several years ago. So, you know, he didn't want to fight. He didn't want to have a layup. He, you know, he was very adamant about not wanting to have a guy, um, a bum, you know, because he knew that that was a no-win situation for him. He'd be, he'd be ridiculed for for taking an easy fight. So, you know, we got a guy that uh, Lindsey Jones who didn't have just a huge, huge number of amateur fights. Uh, I think he had maybe seven or eight, and uh, you know, just very much a, you know another entry level pro MMA guy. Um, but he came from a great team and obviously, you know, very skilled and, uh, a very good fighter. And, uh, just was too much that night for, for kid cash, uh, you know, in his, in his debut. Uh, I think that, <clears throat> I think that it, I would have suggested probably taking an amateur fighter to, uh, because he, he could have got away with that, uh, uh, instead of doing pro. So it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, I think that maybe had he had a, an amateur fighter or two, we probably could have, you know, worked on more things and not been thrown in quite so deep so fast. But I don't think he's been broken, man. He 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 told me he had bicep surgery a few months back, and he is going. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna give it another another go. Yeah, I was actually gonna ask you that. Are you are you, are you still in the kid cash business? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down to be if if uh, if he if he wants to fight, I'll certainly uh, book him another fight and see what we can do. I mean, I'd you know. He definitely got caught with uh, with some with some tough punches and, and went down. But I but he was he was I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad stoppage at all, but he was like trying to get up at, at one point and, and fight back. So, you know, maybe uh, if, if we bring him back, we'll, we'll see if we can't find another uh, pro that's a, a little older and uh, not and not just a, a young stud and uh, see how it goes. But when you have those viral videos, that's only got to help you as a promoter because it's putting your product out there. Oh, it certainly got it. Certainly got us out there. That's for sure. Uh, we had a lot of coverage with with pro wrestling sites as well on the lead up uh, to that to that show as well. We and we, that was also actually kind of how we came about Josh Matthews, who who does a, a commentary yeah. with us as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember, what was that about three or four months ago? You brought Josh in. That was that same show, so it would have been November fifth. Yeah, so just, just you know, it's crazy. That was just that wasn't that too long ago. But you know, we've seen. We obviously we saw what happened with CM Punk and. I'm very much in the belief that we will see CM Punk back in the UFC cage. Uh, yeah, I think so too. There, what was it that I was seeing that? Uh, oh, you, oh, you, the you, Power you, Ranger? Is that what you, the one of no, the? No, no, no. Mike Jackson. He uh, he uh, issued a challenge. He said, "Let's find." Well, I think his term was, "Let's find out who the biggest can is." Um. Yeah. 
I, I would say, <laughs> and I thought that was the fight they should have gone with initially. Should have been Mike yeah. Jackson. Um, I remember yeah. when all that was kind of transpar- transpiring, where you know they were going to have Jackson and, and Mickey Gall, and you know Mickey primarily trains up in the Northeast, but he had go- come down here to Florida American Top Team, and I had I had had you know heard some whispers about uh you know how well he was you know how well he looked and one of the things i remember someone telling me saying that look is he ufc ready right now no but was this guy going to get to the ufc at point at some point no question and and i think that ultimately that was a mistake made uh by by the ufc i what you you know you want to try to put CM Punk in the best position to succeed because that's a guy that can bring pay-per-view you know buys to you yeah, of course. And I mean, if if Mike Jackson was uh, good enough for Mickey Gall to fight uh, in his UFC debut, why wouldn't he be good enough for CM Punk to fight? You know, that's what uh, that's what I didn't really understand. Why that way it was perfect. And if the UFC passed on CM Punk, let's just guarantee you this: Scott Coker and Bellator would would get in that business. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. And they would, and, and and I would have full confidence that they would go out there and they would find someone that CM Punk would beat. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, honestly, it would have been cool if, you know, a Kid Cash would have loved to have fought CM Punk. And that would have been, you know, their ride. They were, it was perfect. It, they were both the same weight class and, you know, probably the same age and, and all that. It would have been uh, it would have been good. Since you promoted Kid Cash, have you had any other, you know, wrestlers or, or non-MMA people reach out to you and say, you know what, I want to give MMA a try? Uh, you know, um, not really. I'm always kind of looking out for that kind of stuff though. Uh, you know, I think uh, I saw that there's one of another TNA wrestler is, uh, does MMA. It was a female. I cannot remember her name right off the top of my head. No, she's a bigger girl. She's got to be probably a 170 or so if I had to guess, but, uh, I saw that she does MMA. So I was thinking about reaching out and seeing if, if she wanted to fight on a card. Yeah, I remember, man, it was probably about two or three years ago, I heard that uh, one promotion was looking at doing 155-pound female fights. Oh, uh, did you say 155? Yeah, 155. Yeah, we, uh, we've done we've done a couple 155 fights uh, for amateurs. Uh, we haven't, I don't think we've had any 155 pro girls. You know, but, uh, you know. It's very thin, I mean, it's a very shallow talent pool, you know, once you get above 45, it's it's really hard. Oh, 40, you know, look at the trouble Bellator's had at 145 women. And and, mm-hmm. and I look at them, and, and I mean, look, Julia Budd and Marlos Kunin are two of the best 145 pounders in the world. We all know Cyborg is, is the best, but, you know, I, I always say is, are you building a division or are you doing one-off fights? And when I look at, at Bellator's 145-pound women's class, weight class, and I, I, you can say the same thing now about the UFC since they're allegedly in the women's 145-pound business, is you're not really building a division. You're just doing one-off fights. Oh yeah, that's that's the truth, man. There's not, there's just not enough, um, you know, quality, high-level talent, you know, to to fill out a division. I mean, I feel like you need at least eight to ten, eight to ten girls in a division, uh, you know, to call it that. You know, it's just it's it's interesting to me. I mean, I mean, hell, you can look at UFC's men's flyweight division. I have no clue what they're doing there now. I mean, you you let Koji Horiguchi walk. Who I thought that you could do a rematch at some point between him and him and DJ. I mean, you know, and but it seems to me there are, there is a lot of one hundred twenty five pound fighters out there. 
Yeah, man, we've got a stud as our champion. CJ Hamilton is 10 and four and just a beast at 125. And, you know, he can't get guys to fight him. I, I have a hard time getting guys to fight him. He's pretty much ran through the division in the Southeast and, and but maybe even the whole East. And, and so, you know, that's, that's one guy I know that's out there that is, uh, you know, that's ready. It's interesting you bring that up of because I always get this sense when you talk to fighters that they get to this point where it is they've got a solid record and then it becomes who's going to fight them because, you know, guys that maybe have a great record as well, they're, they're sitting there going, you know, hey, I don't want to fight that guy on the regional scene. If I'm going to fight that guy, I want I want to fight him in the UFC. And, you know, you look at the, the recent Halifax show the UFC did there where they had, uh, you know, it's a hobby and Tucker on that card where – you know, when you looked at the strength of, uh, using my football analogies, strength of schedule, their strength of schedule wasn't very good. You know, in terms of, of the guys they had fought, and you know, you, you kind of, you know, talking to you know people in both camps, you kind of learn of, hey, you know, guys just won't fight them. You know, and I got to imagine you go through that similar situation where you have a guy that you know, whether it's CJ or, or some other guy that you know maybe he's five and 6 and zero, and all of a sudden you can't find guys who want to fight him. Yeah, that's uh, that happens a lot, really. I, guys, they'll get their they'll get their record to a certain point, and now they're just waiting to get that elusive call, and they don't want to risk, you know, taking a loss and having to, you know, take a another year to get back to where they were, and uh, you know, so I see that quite a bit, really. Um, but at the same time, you never know when taking that tough fight against that other prospect might be the win that you need to catapult you there, because it does matter who you fight. Yeah, you know, especially when you're in the the real crowded weight classes like 45 55 you know you you've got to have a tough strength of schedule because there's a lot of guys that are out there trying to trying to separate themselves you know in that particular instance that you gave uh you know that was kind of I agree. Neither guy really had a very tough strength of schedule and you'll see guys that <clears throat> will make it a lot of the time pretty far without fighting anyone and build their record up. And then they take a big old shit when they, when they finally, uh, you know, take a, uh, a huge, uh, leap up in competition because they haven't, they haven't seen competition like that. And that particular example, uh, that you gave with, uh, with Tucker and, and Zahabi, I feel is maybe kind of a, a, a location type thing. Obviously Zahabi's got great connections with his brother and then t they were in, I believe they were awfully near Tucker's hometown, uh, you know, so, and he had a good record on top of it. So it was a kind of one of those, uh, you know, good situational type things. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, sometimes it can, it can be tough. Um, you know, because I, I was talking to uh, Cody Stamen, who's a, a 12 and one bandwidth. And I was talking to him about that, you know, kind of situation where, you know, is it about just piling up wins or is it about fighting, you know, those tough guys to show that you're, you know, you're quote unquote UFC ready. And, and I think that especially with the, with the new ownership of, of the UFC, I think people are, are still trying to figure that out. Of course, you've got your event coming up on March 18th. Uh, there's a little rumor going around that a reality show is going to be in the house. Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, we're, we're just trying our best to, <laughs> to make that a. Uh, as big of a push uh, and movement as we can, I really and truly feel like uh, these guys need need to get a look uh, from said reality show. Um, you know, they they actually they they were asking for my dates um, at the beginning of the year to see what we could work out, and uh, you know, I, I told them on this one we've got 
you've got five or six guys that are, are worth looking at, you know, between, you know, Cal and Wright and of course, uh, Demir and Luis uh, Pena, uh, you know, Kobe Wall uh, and Chandler Cole. We've got and more, you know, there, Nick Gertz. We've got a lot of guys on there that are, you know, very good national level prospects uh, from all over the southeast. And, and it would be, uh, you know, a big boost to all those guys if uh, we get them out there. Yeah, I've had the opportunity to talk to uh, a couple of those guys. Uh, talk to Dylan, who you know is, is primarily fought in North Carolina, so coming to Tennessee for the first time. Uh, at Kobe Wall uh, had a chance to talk to him. Chandler Cole uh, had a chance to talk to him as well. You know, so you know you, you get to kind of you know know who these guys are, not just as, as fighters, but but also as people. And but I think that it, it seems that they're all hoping. That you know, said reality show is going to be in the building because you know it could be that that night that you know that fight that that takes you into the you know to to the UFC. Absolutely, you know we saw we saw them uh, sign Mickey Gall at uh, what was he one and oh, I 1-0, guess yeah. you know so anything can happen. You know you never know when when they're just gonna when someone's gonna catch their eye and and they get a wild hair inside of them right then. You know, and and I have to imagine that you know. Um, as a promoter, if you know said reality show is coming to town in you know a week or two in advance, that's also a way for you to kind of help boost your ticket sales. Sure, and what you know from what I've just kind of like you know, observed uh, from uh, from other events that they've gone to, they they really don't really release that kind of information till like right at fight week, maybe the week before. Yeah, I always, um, I, I when I hear about it's going to happen, you, very much it's it's along the lines of, hey, don't say anything. But this is what what, what the plan is. I mean, I know that uh, you know they're going to start putting those shows on Netflix, which pretty much is the way I watch television. I don't know about you, yeah, but that's yeah. pretty much the way I. Uh, that's most of my uh, my tell unless it's sporting events. Pretty much, it's all Netflix for me. Yeah, man, uh, that's the same with us. We we do some Amazon Prime, but yeah, the the said the, the Roku is our is our main uh, you know streaming uh, platform. That's what we're we're on that more than we are cable. Yeah, the uh, I know the the Hurt Business documentary just got put put on Netflix. So uh, I saw it. It's in my queue, but it's not. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but it's definitely one of those shows that uh, you know I definitely want to sit back and, and kind of watch. I remember when it came out. I want to say late last year. Uh, Chandler was involved in that, so uh, didn't get didn't get a chance to see it then. But definitely one of those. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big documentary guy. I love like the, those ESPN thirty for thirties. Man, sign me up. Like like the XFC one I watched uh, the other week. That was tremendous. Mm-hmm. I actually, yeah, I saw that one too. I haven't seen all of them, but I watched that one. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I love a good documentary. I actually go to that's what I go to sleep watching pretty much nightly. Yeah, I uh, you know, like the O.J. Simpson documentaries. I, I was just because I grew up around that, um, and just trying to remember exactly what you know, how it was back, you know, back in what was that like ninety? What was that like ninety three, ninety four, somewhere there? Yeah, I think it was ninety three. Yeah, I, I I remember being a kid sitting at home watching the NBA Finals, and it was a split screen of the O.J. Chase on the freeway in the NBA game. <laughs> yeah man i remember that too i i like we're all gathered around in the living room like what in the hell is going on this it, is crazy it, and we watched that shit for hours it, it's one of those things of like there's certain things that happen that in your life that you just you always remember what you're doing you know um one of the things i want to steal from my buddy uh chef brian duffy who does duff fight live here on radio influence he, he always likes to do it uh, with his guests you know the best worst night of your night in the restaurant business for you best of worst night in the promoting business 
Oh, man, there's been so many nights. There's been so many fights. Um, you know, I think that the the worst nights, I think I'm, I'm going to say that the worst night, you know, it would probably be early on when I was still learning so many lessons. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I would I would say it was probably it was one of the it was one of the like most epic nights, but it was also like one of those like just really bad long nights. It was it was the X series show we did. Um, man, it was 2010, I think. It was in Knoxville, and it was uh, we had so many fights, man. We had we had like 22, 24 fights. It was a lot. It, it we we went it went all day long. We started at like three o'clock. We ended up going till something redonkulous, like 1 a.m. or later. Uh, that was uh, it was it was just a long day. We it was an all amateur show that we, we packed out, and ha- like in that regard, it was a good showing there. But then I, we just got carried away, to like living beyond our means, essentially on our budget. Just went sky high and still managed to lose money there, uh, even with a good house, a good you know we had a good crowd and still lost. And it was just a lot of lessons learned, um, a lot of years off my life in one night and uh, that was probably the worst uh the best you know there's a lot been a lot of good ones you know um especially in the past couple of years uh you know i would say it it would it was real good um probably my favorite night was probably valor 33 which was in uh chattanooga we had uh we had two awesome uh title fights and we also had amy coleman and andy decrescente and that was a big girl fight a pro female fight for us and uh you know we had a packed house we made a lot of money and we had just some grueling crazy fights including that sid uh, wheeler and kendrick myrie five around bloody gore fest and it was uh just one of those exhilarating nights where you know the crowd stayed the whole night it was packed all the way to the end it was the place was shaking during the fifth round of the main event you know you're just drenched in sweat from from the day and made good money and it and put on an awesome show and so that was kind of one of those nights where it was just you know clicking on all cylinders and you know Sydney was a guy that got off to a great start in his career, five and zero. But you know he has dropped back to back fights. He, he's come, you know is uh is he still part of Valor? Yeah, yeah, of course. He's actually fighting uh, in Ohio Friday this Friday. Uh, he he hasn't made a big deal about it, but he's fighting at the Arnold's um, uh, this Friday against a guy named Travis Davis. That he's a four and zero guy. Um, he he looks like pretty put together, and but he hasn't really fought anybody. I was looking at his strength of schedule, and he hasn't really fought any anybody near. I don't think he's fought anybody near the worst guy that Sid's fought. So uh, I think it's a big step up in competition for Travis. Uh, it's not near the best guy that Sid's fought, but, um, <clears throat> you know, Sid came out of the gate strong. He There's no doubt that he was not beating very, very tough guys uh, in his first five fights. Uh, the fight against Mearshart was, you know, it was, it was short notice, a huge stylistic change from what he was preparing for in Joe Riggs. And then on top of that, he just didn't fight smart, you know, and Mearshart's a, a killer. I mean, yeah. Mearshart's very good. I think Mearshart's much better, and he's starting to show everyone that than what people gave him credit for. That guy's a monster. Probably should have been in the UFC a long time ago. So, um you know, he Sid didn't fight a very good game plan in that one. Um, you know, Sid Sid's a good striker. You know, he he does well when he he keeps that jab and establishes his range and uh, and kind of settles in and doesn't just go crazy for the kill. But 
like the last two fights, he's just ran, came out of the gates running right at his opponent and has rushed things and gotten taken down easily or taken them down. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been evident his last two fights that his, his submission defense is, is his weak point. And so he's playing right into these guys' hands. And I think he, from what I'm hearing, he's got his head on straight now. And, um, I think this fight out of town in Ohio, hopefully will get him back on, uh, on track. One of the things, uh, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, regional MMA, and you know, you're always trying to find those guys locally that are, that are going to draw. There, there's a guy that is from the state of Tennessee, but, you know, he is a guy that I truly believe it's there is going to be a very limited amount of MMA promoters that are going to want to bring him in, and that is Greg Hardy. Uh, Greg was actually on the MMA Hour uh, with Eric Hawani this week with, with his manager, Malki Kawa, talking about, Train down American top team, and and if you know sports, you, you know the the history with with Greg Hardy. The fact, but back in two thousand fourteen, uh, you know he was arrested and, and for domestic violence. Ultimately, pled guilty to two counts there. Uh, the domestic violence charges were ultimately expunged from his record. Which uh, the day after they were expunged from his record, Deadspin released the police photos of Hardy's ex girlfriend's injuries, and then uh, back uh, last year he was arrested for cocaine possession. Uh, uh, in Texas, for you as a regional promoter, he is from the state of Tennessee. Would there, would you at all be open to even having a conversation about bringing him into your promotion? You know, I mean, I I have conversations about anything. <laughs> I'm never, I, you know, keep I try to keep as many doors open as possible. But it certainly wouldn't be an easy decision. I think that you know, obviously, on one hand, it. You have the whole angle of, you know, any press is good press. So there's obviously going to be a lot of press on any kind of fight like that. That Whenever he does make his debut, you can bet that there's going to be a lot of attention on it. Not all of it good, obviously. So, um, you know, you have to balance that versus, you know, can you parlay, can you can you present it in a tasteful way to where you don't get uh, flamed for essentially having a woman abuser you know, featuring you know uh, spotlighting uh, giving shine to you know someone that's been uh, you know found guilty of those those crimes so it's kind of uh, you know I probably couldn't pull the trigger on it but uh, you know the the promoter side of me would certainly like. It wouldn't be like a real easy decision. I, I would certainly see how someone could uh, could could make a move like that, especially if they maybe had like a like a network or something like that that was that was throwing big money at them uh, to to put on a spectacle like that. But uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it certainly wouldn't be an easy call. I, I probably like my wife probably just wouldn't let me do it, honestly. I, but <laughs> so, I, I think the other side of it is even if a promoter says, "Okay, I'm willing to to do this," and if you have a broadcast partner, you got to think you have to have a conversation with your broadcast partner, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and sit there and say, look, we're, we're going to do this. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think you would ever see Greg Hardy in the UFC. I just don't think – I think ultimately if he ends up getting a fight somewhere, I think it's going to be overseas. I could see that. I could see that uh, over uh, in Japan or, or, or China or something like that. Um, I, and I wouldn't just be completely stunned. Has Bellator said they, they wouldn't sign him? I can't see Bellator going down that route a- after everything that happened with the War Machine. Yeah, true, very true. It's just you see so many gimmicky type things uh, from them that it would kind of be in their wheelhouse. I, but I, yeah, I think they're I think they're out of that business. I really do. I, I think the the quote unquote uh, 
oh, what's uh, Coder calls it the fun fights. I I think <laughs> I think they're out of that business. I, I think that with everything that has happened, yes, you are a property that's about getting the most viewers to your uh, promotion on a Friday or Saturday. Night. I just I don't think they're going to go down that road anymore. I I, I think if they were going to go down that road, it'd be like a CM Punk. Right, right, right. I can see that. You know, I mean, and I would, I mean, I would, I would bet there's a lot of pro wrestlers that that would want to to dabble in it. But uh, I mean, I think the other problem is that if you still, if you want to dabble in MMA but also still be a pro wrestler, the problem is how does it affect your brand as a pro wrestler if you go into an MMA cage and lose? Um, you know. I think uh, if you have a good accounting for yourself, that it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think if you go in there and just get embarrassed and and um, just completely shown up, it, it it probably has some detrimental effects. I mean, I see him punk. I mean, and I don't know if you'd ever go back to pro wrestling anyway. I think he kind of closed the door on that. But uh, I mean, it was it was it was a bad performance. I remember I was in Atlanta. When he fought that night, and uh, you know, we were in this uh, you know, you know, sports bar slash restaurant, and you know, for the most part, for the pay review up till that point, no one cared. Oh, once his fight started, oh, people cared. Oh, and, yeah, and I said, sure. that's it, and that's exactly what the UFC was looking for. You know, they're they're looking for guys that are going to get people's eyeballs and, and are going to sit there and say, I'm going to fork over sixty dollars. Sure. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a business. They're an inter, you know they're a, they're an entertainment business ultimately, and uh, you know that's that's their job is to get as many eyes on things, uh, as many views as they can to in turn make their sponsors happy. And uh, you know I get it, I do. Yeah, I mean you know it's you got to you know it's like you know this this Saturday's UFC event. I think for the hardcore fan, it is an awesome fight card. For the casual sports fan, I don't see them getting all giddy about this. Um, no, probably not. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be a fight fan to know who the guys are in, in the co-main. And you may have, you may be a casual fan and kind of figured out who the guys in the main are, but I don't know that it's enough to make you fork over the money, uh, to buy it. I, I tell you what, and, and obviously it's a second fight between Wonder Boy and Woodley. I feel like people are kind of not giving Woodley the respect he deserves. Um, I see that as well. Yeah, it's like kind of, it's kind of like a foregone conclusion that uh, that know. Wonder Boy's going to win, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's that definitely seems to be a narrative. I mean, I do a, a preview podcast um, for all the UFC events, and the one this week will come out on on Friday morning as myself and Daniel Gavon are going to break down the card, and I'll, fly, I'll say I'm picking Tyron Woodley to win. I think he's going to win by stoppage. Uh, he may do it, man. I think I think that they're gonna definitely have the have their game plan for him now, and uh, I could I could definitely see it. I, I haven't I haven't made my pick on it just yet. I need to probably get to that in the next twenty four hours. I'm, <laughs> I'm on the fence to go officially, but I I could definitely see that. I could see them. Uh, you know, they fit. You know, they they've been in there with him for a long time now. You know, they fought for a long time, and uh, now he should be able to figure out that distance a little quicker. I don't know if you you saw the countdown show, but the fact of when Woodley is up in Milwaukee, him and uh, Sage Northcutt live together. Oh wow! That that's a little bit of a, a unique combination. Yeah, I wouldn't have pegged that. I mean, that's almost like a reality show right there. Of just give these two guys a reality show with the film with Roll and just see what these two guys. I, I can only imagine what that conversation's like. Oh yeah, I can't imagine what those guys have in common. 
<laughs> that's yeah. What uh, besides fighting? What do they have in common? Yeah, that's wild, man. But that's, but I mean, uh... you, you think about it. I mean, look, and all the jokes with Sage Northcutt, but he really is a great training partner to bring in when you're trying to mimic the style of Stephen Thompson. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine too many too many better in that in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I did want to bring up um, we, before we started recording. We were talking about this this uh, regional show I was at this past weekend. And, and the first fight where just a awful job done by the referee where the referee uh, breaks up the action to take a point away where one guy's working the back and the guy and he essentially rewards the guy who was holding the fence who you know was probably very close to getting choked out and stands him up and you know this gets talked about a lot you know in UFC Bellator where there's an action done by the official where you're just like oh my god how do you not know what you're supposed to do there for you being a, a promoter. Is that something where after the event you go and talk to the executive director, or is that during the event you go up and let them know, hey, your guy just screwed up? Um, if it's real bad, I've usually am not able to uh, to hold my tongue. <laughs> I usually let them know pretty quick, you know. Uh, within sometimes <laughs> while the fight's still going on, but the uh, it doesn't take me too long generally to address it, even though it's really not something I'm even probably supposed to be addressing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I know you want to kind of handle that stuff privately, but I mean, you know, it's, you ultimately feel bad for the fighters, you know, the guy that ultimately gets screwed. And, and you know, we've seen it where, you know, a guy is in a great position, and then he loses that position. It's like, man, you just screwed that fighter who might have been able to get a finish. Oh, and, yeah. And, and the fact that we all know how MMA pay works, would have doubled his payday. Oh yeah, it matters. You know, it's uh, it's, you know, especially in the pros, it, it you know, it, it matters, and your, your guys' livelihoods are literally being affected. So, you know, we've had we've had refs stand guys up out of mount. You know, just crazy things, and uh, it's and, uh, you know, it's frustrating. You know, again, it's really kind of the commission's, um, it's the commission's duty to oversee that stuff. But again, we're in a state where we don't have any MMA guys really on the commission. <laughs> so you just kind of get these guys that show up and, you know, they're nice guys and all, but they're, they don't have ba- any sort of background or history in what we're doing. So they just kind of, uh, you know, they're, it's kind of like deer in the headlights sometimes. Do you ever, you know, as a promoter, do you ever think about picking up the phone and calling the ABC and, and having a conversation with them about it? Um, well, um, I don't, I, I've never really thought about doing that. Everything here, they just go by the law and, and essentially if, if it's not like in the law, then they just don't want to have much to do with it. They, 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 they don't proclaim themselves to be a court of law. They don't do judgments on anything. Like I can't get them to uphold pro contracts here, <laughs> you know? So I probably shouldn't have said that, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a battle. It's a battle to get uh, any sort of uh, resolution whenever you have issues or complaints and things like that. Um, so I, their whole thing is you would have to change the law and you'd have to present like, you know, uh, legislation to, to change the law for them to, to do anything differently than what they're doing now. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, I don't know if, uh, maybe I guess that would be worth a try, uh, talking to the ABC. I don't know. It's a weird thing here. It's, it's really hard to describe. Has, uh, has Tennessee adopted the, the new unified rules? Um, no, no, we have not. We haven't, again, they said that that would caught, that would be, have to be a change in the law. And so until they 
they they meet every three months to vote on these type things, and I don't I think they they may propose it here in March. What, what's your thoughts on, on the new unified rules and the changes they've made in terms of you know the ground opponent and, and you know I think one of the big things and I just call it the John Jones rule of, of sticking your fingers out, which I I don't yeah. I don't I don't see a majority of the referees really enforcing that. Um, yeah, it's a hard, it's a, it's a very, um, you know, kind of, uh, judgment call kind of thing. And it's got, it's very, everything's happening very fast and, you know, you've got a, it's very split second kind of, uh, judgment calls that I think a lot of referees are probably, probably will not call. Um, I think that one of, I, I want to say that one of our referees called in on our last show though, now that I think about it and, um, you know, I, I like the rule, and then I like the I like the grounded opponent rule as well. The the judging uh, criteria, I see some uh, some potential. Um, if you don't have everybody on the same page, then you, you, we could start seeing some scorecards get a, a little I've, a little wacky. I've heard some rumblings. There's going to be some changes made in judging across the board um, and, and refereeing across the board as well. Um, because clearly we, we do need, you know, better, you know, judges, but, you know, also one of the things I think that happens, um, and, and I can tell you this particularly with the Bellator cage, the Bellator cage has blind spots where based on where you're sitting, you may not be able to see things. And I, I remember being at a show where essentially the cameraman was getting in the way of the judge. And I was just like, oh man, that, that, and that's got, you know, that's obviously that's a, a commission that has to deal with the broadcasting people saying, Hey, you, you can't be uh, standing in the way of our officials to be able to see what's going on there. But uh, you know, I, I like what what is happening. I, I think that I, I like the fact that I think for a long time we weren't evolving on the regulatory side of the sport, but now we are, we are evolving. And uh, you know, one of the things I, I do like they're doing is the early weigh-ins. Have you thought about adapting that into your promotion? Yeah, we've been doing that since I want to say November of last year. That that show in Nashville, actually, uh, that was the first time, and we've done it every time except for uh, the all amateur show. We didn't do that, but uh, we've done early weigh-ins um, since November. We'll do them at like twelve or one o'clock, and uh, I think everybody likes it a lot better. We it seems like our uh, ceremonial weigh-ins run a lot smoother. They're not near as hectic, and. Uh, everybody just feels a lot better. You know, it's an extra thing to do on weigh-in day, but but I think it is it's definitely a good thing. See, one of the things when I interview amateur fighters, one of my toughest things about those interviews is actually finding uh, their legit records. Because usually about uh, six out of ten times, they'll be like, nah, I've actually got uh, ten amateur fights, not six like it says. Is that one of your toughest things about you know booking amateur fights is maybe not knowing exactly what their record is? Yeah, yeah, it can be. It's it's getting easier as as guys are uh, as air is, you know, pretty much all states are getting, um, you know, under commissions that require them to turn in results and things like that. But guys that have been around for a while or, um, you know, for a few years or come from areas where they didn't really have a commission to to keep up with those those type of things. And there was no um, there was no mandatory uh, uh, rule that you had to enter it in the database. Uh, you know, there'll be guys that'll come around and they'll say, you know, I'm this I'm this record. And I'll be like, well, you only show up as one and one and in the database. And, you know, they they fought for either unsanctioned shows or, or shows that were just not turning in their results. And now it's not as bad because for the most part, you're you know, for the most part, there aren't. 
I can't really think of too many states anymore that, uh, you know, there's just kind of the Wild West shows going on and not any sort of uh, sanctioning or, or database. But, you know, the guys that have been around for a while or guys from way back, like there was a guy that fought on our show in January, Kyle Kohler, who I know was 10 and four probably. And he only lists as, you know, he's, he lists as having like six, seven, eight fights, something like that. But, you know, he, he, he hadn't fought in probably five years. And when he was fighting, he was fighting for, you know, events that weren't turning in their stuff. And so, you know, that's a guy that had 14 fights that only listed him having, you know, half of that or less. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I found myself more using topology more than anything else recently. I, I like the way their sites format, especially when a guy pulls out of the fight and, and tells you a reason why he pulled out of the fight. I found myself really enjoying that. I love it, man. I love it. If, if, if like, if everyone had to use it, then it would be perfect. You know, uh, essentially the, the only flaw to it is that just everyone doesn't do it. But, you know, a lot of people do it now and more, more, more do than don't, I'd say, uh, you know, but I like it a lot better than mixedmartialarts.com for sure. I, mean, I, I use them both, obviously, but uh, it is nice to be able to see when a guy pulled out and, and if if a fight fell apart, it, who it was on, you know, things like that, because there was a guy we almost booked, um, I want to say it was for, uh, man, it might've been for that dang Nashville show, but, uh, it, we, we were about to book him and then I, I looked it up and he had pulled from seven straight fights, seven in a row. And I was like, man, what's going on here? You've pulled from more fights than you had, you know? And, uh, you know, and that was just a huge red flag. And luckily we, we didn't, we didn't go down that path. Yeah. You know, obviously the, I think the guy that people point to in the UFC and, you know, some of it, you know, m- m- some of it's just bad luck is Ian McCall and the mm-hmm. amount of fights he's pulled out of. And I saw Sam Kaplan uh, when he pulled out of uh, UFC 208, he, he said that he would recommend any fighter who's going to take a fight with Ian McCall because of what has happened his past couple of uh, attempts to fight that basically they put it in the contract, but basically if you pull out, you know, there, there's a financial penalty. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, again, we, you know, we've got that in our contracts and it, sometimes it's, it's just harder to chase down, uh, money from these guys, you know, then if God doesn't, you know, if a guy doesn't want to fight it, it uh, mo- most of the most I can do is get them suspended for the most part, because you know, the, the whole saying about squeezing blood from a tournament, they just don't have it. I mean, you just, you can't get it. <laughs> and so essentially about the best I can do is get a guy suspended where he can't fight somewhere else. But you know, the guy doesn't want to, if he wasn't serious about fighting, that's not such a big detriment. Uh, now if it's a guy that is, you know, serious about his career, it, it is truly a detriment because they've got to get you squared away before they can fight somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had a chance to talk to Ian McCall. So, you know, you kind of wonder if it is his days at 125 pounds over. The fact that just, you know, making 125 just isn't what's in his best interest or, you know, see what happens with him here. I remember I've talked to him a couple of times, uh, you know, leading up to that 208 fight. And you know, he even admitted, he's like, he's, he, he's like, I just wonder if, if this is the universe's way of telling me I shouldn't fight anymore. But he goes, I just love this too much. He goes, I can't walk away, you know, and, uh, you know, you feel bad because he is, uh, I, I truly felt, I thought if he got a win at 208, that, he was going to be next for DJ that they were going to do that matchup again. Cause I, I thought that that's probably, you know, and, and Ian might be the one guy that might be able to bring some personality out of DJ. 
Yeah, I think uh, Ian's one of those guys that I'm always excited to see him on a car. You know, again, I don't figure out who's on a card till fight week, but, you know, I'll see his name like, cool. Yeah. All right. Ian calls on. Hasn't he had a lot of fights fall out? Surely not this one. And then it happens again. It's it's really like astounding how many times it's happened now. Like it's almost you know, maybe it is a freaking sign. That's really, really, uh, really weird. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he weighed in for 208. So you're like, oh, you know, it's all good. And then literally um, I, I was at my niece's birthday party. That Saturday, and ended up getting um, a text message from somebody saying, "Hey, Ian McCall's out." And then, of course, you know, reach out to his management team to, you know, "Hey, is this true?" And you know, of course, it you know ends up uh, it's getting. You know, cause that's one thing about MMA reporter: there really is no time off, especially with with your cell phone. It, it happens all the time. Hey, you hear this happen? Then, of course, you start reaching out, and uh, you know, and, and then you ultimately find out that what's happened. But it's. Uh, you know, hopefully we see Ian because he is a he's an entertaining fighter, and you know, at one twenty five, we we need entertain. You know, because you just wonder about what's going to happen with that division going forward. But you've got your uh, fight card coming up here March eighteenth. Of course, the Val Hour here on RadioInfluence dot com. It is now available on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search the Val Hour. You'll be able to to sit there, subscribe to listen to Tim and Casey give their uh their inside look into Valor fights, but also uh, talk about uh, what's what's going on. In in the MMA world, uh, let everyone know what they can expect from episode one. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna do episode one tomorrow evening, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna recap the uh, the LFA from this past weekend. Uh, we're uh, Adam Townsend fought Marcus Edwards. We're we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about uh, the. Of course, we're gonna preview UFC 209 um, for uh, <clears throat> for this weekend, and then we're also going to do some. Uh, we're gonna actually talk a little bit. Uh, we're kind of going to touch on all of our bases this time, actually, because we're going to we're going to do a preview of the Warrior card that's in Kentucky that we're going to do the uh, the commentary for. So that that kind of touches on regional MMA that isn't us. Uh, well, you know, and then of course the UFC is a national scene, and then we're we're going to talk to um, I believe we're going to talk to Chandler Cole and Billy Swanson uh, tomorrow night as well. So um, Chandler's got uh, a big fight coming up on that card, and Billy is in the finals of the. Uh, of the region uh, for the UMAP uh, amateur national championship. And so he's got another, he's a big fight coming up there and there's been a lot of trash talk with him and his opponents fans on social media. So that'll probably be an entertaining one. I've heard about that. You know, it's uh, I, I, I figured I was talking to a fire recently and they're like, I didn't understand why my opponent friend requested me on Facebook. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that is kind of odd. <laughs> I see it all the time. I know they'll, they'll start talking to each other and stuff and, Try to work out different ways. I'm like, why are you talking to your opponent? Just go through me, man. That's that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy, but you'll be able to check that out on iTunes, Stitcher, also available on RadioInfluence.com. Of course, the MMA Insiders podcast, also available on RadioInfluence.com, also on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, check out the last episode of the Insiders podcast as I was joined by Dave Marsden to talk about the UFC USADA anti-doping policy as uh, Dave is a guy that follows that policy and follows anti-doping very closely. So if you're have any, uh, you know, want to know what's going on with that policy, definitely check out the last episode of the podcast. Also on this week's edition of the MMA report podcast, I am joined by Desmond green, of course, going to be making his UFC debut coming up in April at UFC 208. Also joined by Joe Soto, who's going to be fighting down in Brazil against Hani Yaya, uh, the card down there in Fort for latest Brazil, also joined by Chip the Surgeon, Chandler Cole, who you just heard Tim mention. He's on the show, and also he'll be joined by Jason King as well. So look out for that on this week's episode of the MMA 
Report podcast, which is already available on RadioInfluence.com. Tim, I appreciate the time, man, and uh, look forward to listening to the next uh, episode of The Vow Hour. Man, I appreciate you having me on, Jason. Excited to see, uh, see where this thing goes. This is a dangerous conversation with Scott Ledger, Quick Fix, on Radio Influence. I've seen nothing but huge amounts of stories where social media sites are now going to start to possibly decide what is a real news site versus a fake news site. Suddenly CNN and MSNBC and Fox suddenly get a, oh, 100% truth. Oh, yeah, they're, they're the legitimate source. This is awesome. We are seeing the media attack the media that's attacking the media. This is a beautiful thing. More and more people are exposed. More and more people have a Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter. More and more people can watch a YouTube video or subscribe to a channel. And I mean, there are people weighing in from halfway around the globe that now have four hundred to 500,000 uh, subscribers. And a woman that actually lives in Syria is telling you what the majority of everyone thinks. And the reason the Syrian people are backing Assad is because they recognize the big PNAC project for the new American century picture. They saw the Wesley Clark video and they realized that Syria was one of the seven strategic locations that the neocons, oil companies, large conglomerates needed to control. Period. But Russia has always been their ally. And over the last year, during Obama's last year, it's kind of been, you know, where there's there's been some bad stuff, by the way, and some a lot of local people and citizens killed. So frankly, I don't care who stands at the national anthem, and I, I really don't care what veteran didn't get fed at Denny's. Because on that level, I, I get it. Okay, that's cool, but you know what? I would prefer to put my energies into how do we slow the degradation of mankind because fewer and fewer, more powerful people control more and more of everything. True monopolies. And when you see the media, any media, starting to really whiplash and attack so-called new media, uh, internet media, fake news websites. By the way, yeah, most of it's fake. Most of it, not most of it, but go to each website. Click on the link. Scientists discover blah, blah, blah. Click on the link. If it takes you to some bullshit site, click on that link. And I've been caught. I've deleted, I think I said earlier in the show, probably about eight to ten links over the last couple of years. Decide for yourself. Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.